making your sound sound. This is the Undergrad Podcast Lab, and this is Dr. Gideon Burton. Today, I want to talk a little bit about what's involved in creating high-quality sound files. Currently, my students are in the development phase of their podcasts. They are perfecting their initial episodes, and part of that perfecting requires them to move outside of the more rudimentary recording setup that they have had on their smartphones to do something a bit more sophisticated so they get the best quality sound. I want to lay out the factors that affect having really good sound in one's audio file and then talk a bit about how to go about doing sound mixing in a software program. So first of all, how do you plan to have good sound? If you are doing some kind of an interview format podcast where you could be inside of a sound booth, well, you should try to do that if that is at all possible. Now, happily today, because of the nature of microphones and so on, it is possible for you to get a good quality sound recording without having to do so in a sound booth somewhere. However, one has to be very careful about uh, thinking through when there's a possibility of interruptions or noise, whether that's from the air conditioning or from people. So giving some thought to where you're recording and to listening very carefully to see if there are ambient noises around in that space where you plan to be recording. If you are doing some kind of a reality podcast, which requires you to carry a microphone with you out in the field, as it were, then you have to think of things like whether or not you should get a dedicated recording device or perhaps have something with a windscreen on it or simply calculating the uh, physical environment and you know if you're recording in a kitchen you may want to unplug that noisy refrigerator or if you are uh, recording out of doors you may want to try to plan for a day when there's still weather so you don't have wind in your microphone all the time so the first tip for sound sound is to make sure that you have the best environment in which to record the second is to have a good microphone now to this point I've had my students focus mostly on the development of their concept, the, the content and format of their episodes, of their individual podcasts. And that means I didn't want them to be concerned with sound quality very much, and the microphones that they had on the smartphones were adequate for the prototyping that they needed to do. But now that they are polishing their initial episodes to have a more formal, broad launch of their podcasts, it's time to up the game and get better quality recording. So there are two ways that you can go about doing this. One is if you do have access to a sound booth, then you can use the microphones, condenser microphones, mixing board, computer that might all be set up in a sound booth for you. Many college campuses have this, as does ours. Another route you can go is to buy an external microphone to plug into either your smartphone or into your laptop or desktop. I've done it both ways. There are a lot of fairly inexpensive microphones that you can get to plug into a smartphone and will vastly improve the sound quality. These range from, for the smartphones, I've seen them as little as $15 to $20 for a cheap uh, lapel mic, upwards to $100. The microphone I'm using right now costs me $45. One of the issues there is it, it really is kind of a crapshoot. You can read the reviews, but I found that 
I don't know whether a microphone is good or not until I actually try using it with my own setup. The microphone I had before this one that I'd ordered was completely inadequate and I had to get rid of it. You do have to, to spend a little money if you want a, a better microphone, but you don't have to spend hundreds and hundreds. So the other option I mentioned for a microphone is you can get a plug-in microphone that a USB microphone. So it can plug into your desktop computer or your laptop computer. In the past, I have used the, uh, the Snowball, the blue microphones. There are a lot of really good quality uh, microphones that can just be plugged into a laptop or desktop. I was in Best Buy the other day and noticed they had a whole section devoted to podcasting mics. So that's something. And there was a real range there. Uh, some of them look pretty cool. Some of them are set up like sophisticated, you know, DJs would use and that sort of thing. You could easily spend $100 to $200, but if you really wanted to go for a high-quality USB mic, you can get one for between $50 and $70, and I specifically recommend the Snowball microphone. And the company for that is, is um, Blue, so the Blue Snowball microphone. Now, just, just one word about that. One reason why I found that a particularly useful microphone in prior podcasting was this microphone came on a stand and the front part was a, a directional microphone and the back one was a, a wide microphone. So, and there was a switch you could toggle between that. So if you were doing a podcast like the one I'm doing right now, where it's just me talking into a microphone, then you want that directional kind of microphone and that will exclude the ambient noise around you and just focus on your voice and you have to speak directly into it. But if you're doing a round table or some kind of group thing and you don't have the, a whole setup with each person being mic'd, I found that it was possible to get a very good quality sound if I put people equidistant around a table and uh, switched my snowball mic to the, the broader microphone that would pick up uh, across the room. Okay, so you can get a, a better microphone or you can go to a recording studio and, and do it that way. I, I don't think this is a huge problem nowadays. Most of the time, it, it just takes a little bit of effort to get an improved microphone and it can make all the difference. All right, now I want to talk a little bit about how to prepare for recording well so that you don't have to do a lot of post-production. Now later I am going to say something about post-production sound mixing with software programs. But as a general rule of thumb, I recommend planning your podcasts so that you have to do little to no post-production. Now that's easier said than done. For example, if you have a, a podcast that requires you know, sound clips from maybe a movie review show, then you're obviously going to have to figure out how to do the editing, the mixing that can bring those, those other sound clips in. But many kinds of podcasts where it's just people talking, it is possible to avoid having to do much after the fact editing. I have found that there's a great temptation to overproduce sound files. Once you figure out you can take out one um, you pretty much want to take out all of them and suddenly you've spent four hours on a 20-minute uh, sound file just to make sure it's as pristine as possible. If you're producing music, that's one thing, but the spoken word, I think you can avoid some of that. And some of that you avoid through very consciously trying not to break the continuity of 
your podcasting time. That sometimes means you have to let it go if someone coughs, but you, you just want to try to press forward. And I think sometimes if you've done a good job in planning out your segments or outlining what you're going to cover, you can move smoothly from one thing to the next and your recording can be fairly continuous. So if at all possible, you can improve the sound quality of your recording through better planning of your episode. I found sometimes that the quality of my sound and my content improves if I record a podcast episode a second time, but that that's not suitable for every type of podcast. All right, so now that you've done a recording, you have to figure out how to get this sound file over to a laptop or desktop computer so that you can manipulate it. Before talking about that, I just want to say a word about the formats of sound files. There are a variety of formats for sound files, but generally they fall into two categories, uncompressed and compressed. You want to be able to record in an uncompressed format, and you will then publish your podcast in a compressed format. So another way of saying this is don't record onto an mp3 file. Now it's not the end of the world if you do, but there really is no reason why you cannot record in a, uh, an app or a program that allows you to create an uncompressed file. Those file formats include wav.wav or .aiff, and there are some others as well that are lossless, as they call them. So you want to make sure that you are getting that uncompressed file and then you've got to find some way to move it over to your desktop or laptop. Now, if you've done your recording with a external USB mic plugged into your laptop, your, your sound file's already somewhere in your documents. But if you record it on a smartphone, as I'm doing right now, then I have to transfer it over. Many ways to do this. Email is not the best because you're probably going to have lots of megabytes. And so use some kind of a cloud service or direct Wi-Fi transfer. And you can upload to Box or to Dropbox or Google Drive and then download these onto the laptop or desktop where you're going to be manipulating the files. Okay, I want to talk about programs that you can use to do your sound mixing, your editing. There are, are many different commercially available sound mixing programs. There's uh, Adobe Premiere or Adobe Audition. Premiere, you can... You know, it's really made for editing movies, but you can edit sound on that. Or Adobe Audition is specifically for audio recording, editing, and mixing. Adobe is costly, though, and is fairly complex. And so unless you're already skilled in using an Adobe product or you have access to it, maybe through a, a student purchasing program or something like that, I would recommend against it because the learning curve is too high. It is definitely a, a great tool for professional uh, podcasting, but you don't have to get that sophisticated to get really good sound files for amateur podcasting. Unless, of course, you're doing something that's really music-oriented, but most are not. So I want to recommend two free software programs that are absolutely adequate for very professional sounding sound mixing. And the first one of these is GarageBand, and the second is Audacity. Now, if you're on the Mac platform, you probably know about and maybe have tinkered with GarageBand. It's, it's got a very user-friendly interface that's not too complicated. There are plenty of tutorials out there where you can find how to go about recording or, or if you already have recorded, how to 
go about importing the sound files and mixing them. Audacity is a really great solution and is favored by so many podcasters. This works on the uh, Windows platform, and I think it might also be on Linux, I don't know. But in any case, it's free. There is a, a slight thing that is part of the setup of this that uh, you have to get a separate file installed in order to save something as an MP3 file, but I'll let you find out how to do that through the many tutorials that can walk you through how to do that. The, the slight amount of effort it takes to get that up and going is well worth it because then you have this really quite usable sound editing platform that you can get for free. Now I'm not going to give an exhaustive uh, set of instructions on how to use Audacity here. There are some very good tutorials online that already cover that. Rather, I'm just going to talk about the functions that Audacity accommodates and that are you know, just, I guess I just want to cover the most basic functions that you want to look for and be able to be proficient in when you are doing sound mixing. So uh, first of all, you've got to be able to know how to import files and you've got to know how to lay out tracks. So every sound editing software program will have some way of manipulating tracks. You've got to get familiar with the interface that that part of the interface that helps you know how to um, magnify or demagnify, zoom in, zoom out on a section of the sound file. No matter what program you're using, you'll see, you know, a, a visual representation of the sound file, and you you kind of have to get used to reading those. Uh, you can see, for example, where there's been interruptions or coughs or so, any kind of blunt noise shows up as a, a a much larger sound on the visualization and Later, that can be very helpful to you in being able to isolate and maybe take out some spots that you wanted to. Anyway, you need to get used to looking at those various tracks. Some are in mono, some are in stereo. It depends on how things have been recorded. The next thing is that you need to be able to manipulate a sound file by cutting it and then knowing how you can delete, select and delete and knowing how you can rearrange segments that you have cut up. This is really basic stuff. And if you can't figure it out, you can Google the most basic things, like how do I make a cut in a sound file? And there's someone that's got a 90 second tutorial on that on YouTube, I promise. So you need to be able to do that. The other thing is that you should know how to use filters. And the filters are various ways of changing the sound quality of an entire region or an entire track. This can get pretty sophisticated and you can go crazy with this, but it is something in general that you should look into is what filters could improve the overall sound. Yeah, I just don't have time to get into which is which right now. Another thing that you should learn how to do is to use various effects. So in Audacity, there's a, a top menu called Effect. And if you go down that to Fade In or Fade Out, then this is, this is a very simple thing that most podcasts will require. Uh, at the beginning, you want to fade into your sound. At the end, you want to fade out of your sound. There may be reasons within a podcast why you want to fade in and out. But generally, 
the very beginning and the very end. So you need to learn how to select the portion of the sound file that you want to have gradually go from silence to full volume. And then you click on the effect fade in or effect fade out and then play it back and, and see if it sounds like what you hoped that it would. Okay, those are some general traits of, of uh, mixing sound. Um, oh, I guess you also need to know how to save or export, and those are different things. In Audacity, for example, you save, you're saving a project file, not necessarily a sound file. And if you want to produce just the sound file, then you have to use an export function or a share function, and that will allow you to put it into the format that you want to put it into. So when you do that, that's the point at which you can export your file into a compressed format. Usually that's going to be an MP3 format. When you do that, you'll be asked to fill in some metadata. So the name of the, you know, whoever's authoring the track and date, etc. And you should fill that in as best you can although it may be that this metadata will be irrelevant once you upload the sound file into your online platform. In our case, we're using Anchor.fm. All right, so not everyone is going to need to become proficient in using a program like Audacity, but you should know the basic functions that are possible through a sound mixing program like GarageBand or Audacity. There are all kinds of far more sophisticated ways of using these programs, but when you're just talking about mixing sound files, you have to be able to cut, rearrange, delete. You need to learn how to use basic filters and uh, especially basic effects like fade in and fade out. And of course, along the way, you have to know how to import and export files. You need to know how to start and stop playback and um, how to just kind of navigate your way around a long sound file you know, making it zoom in or zoom out. Anyway, I hope that's helpful. Once you do start playing back your sound and realizing how easy it is to manipulate the sound, it, it again, it will be very tempting to overproduce. But hopefully you will not overproduce and you'll keep your eye on the prize and not let things get bottlenecked with all these uh, uncompressed recordings waiting to be mixed by someone. Uh, I guess partly I want to just give a pitch for individuals learning how to do this on their own. Uh, once you become dependent upon someone else to do your sound mixing, things really can get bottlenecked very quickly, especially if you're asking them to do it for free. So tutorials are all there, and uh, if you have access to just a basic Windows machine or a Mac, you will have access to either Audacity or GarageBand, and you can make great sound files. There's plenty of tutorials out there on... on um, how to use either program and I urge you to consult those as needed. All right well that's that's it for this uh, episode. I just wanted to talk about getting more sound kinds of sound. Do I have any other thoughts on this matter? Yes I do. Uh, there's nothing like listening to you, a recording of yourself speaking to make you recognize the various verbal tics you have and all I can say is is that over time you start recognizing that you need to use some discipline in how you are articulating. It may be that you need to speak up. It may be that you need to work really hard on that habit of not saying, um, I listened to a perspective podcast from some students outside of my current class recently. 
and I listened to their pilot recording and the the two speakers used the word like so often that I soon forgot what their podcast was all about because I was counting the word like so much. Now, that's a big ask for people that are using a format where they're not reading from a script and they're being colloquial. We don't recognize how much we have certain catchphrases, colloquialisms that just keep creeping into our our language all the time. But we have to try to use some self-control if we want to create some sound that will not be distracting to our audience. So try to avoid saying like or um or dude. And uh, it might be that you'll you'll be taken a little bit more seriously with your sound files. Okay, that's it for now.